least six in ten consumers claim to check ingredients lists to avoid certain ingredients. And this is going to become more prevalent as the focus becomes more pronounced on our health and wellness. As a specialist in fats and oils, Cargill conducted research to dig into consumers' awareness and thoughts around the fats and oils found in packaged foods, like saturated and trans fats, and found that four key trends will impact the snacking space in 2021. We chat to Taylor Halstead, commercial manager for the snacks category of Cargill's global edible oils business, to find out their insight into what's ahead. Thank you so much indeed for joining me today. Uh, please, could you tell us about Cargill's Fatitude research? Yeah, absolutely. And so Cargill, we're a global food and agricultural company, 155,000 employees, and we operate across you know 70 countries. So you know what we set out to do really is look at problems globally for our customers and and work to share knowledge and solve problems for them. Uh, I'm based in Minneapolis and. You know, I work for our edible oils uh, division and uh, I, I'm a commercial manager for our snacks category, right? Mm-hmm. Which, like I said, it's a great role because I get to eat a lot of chips and a lot of excuses to try new snacks products. And <laughs> you know, in, in line with that, <laughs> yeah, uh, we we have a proprietary consumer research product uh, that we call Fatitudes um, that, you know, really looks at what consumers' attitudes, awareness, perceptions are around fats and oils and packaged food. You know, we believe it's a great product. And one of it's because it's not just a one-time survey, it's actually a recurring survey, right? So we've been able to track for eight years now, you know, how consumer perceptions on fats and oils have changed, you know, over those years. And, um, you know, honestly, there's, there's been some changes where they're interested in consuming more, you know, healthful oils and uh, these sort of insights and discussions on oil type, on, on claims research, right, are pretty crucial to how we look to develop products and do it jointly with customers, right, in our innovation sessions and at our R&D facilities across uh, North America. Mm-hmm. What is the consumer's perception around fats and oils today? Yeah, so our Fatitudes work tells us that consumers do care, right? They pay attention to fats and oils and the products that they buy. So majority of U.S. consumers, 53% to be exact, you know, they closely monitor fats and oils and packaged foods. So that's remained relatively steady uh, throughout 2013. Um where we've seen more changes is places like uh, so claims, right? So um, we track claims that are fats and oils related. Nutrition claims do tend to be uh, the most dominant in terms of uh, purchase likelihood, right? So like a no saturated fat claim, right, is our top claim that that we mm-hmm. see with 50, 53% of consumers saying they'd be more likely to purchase a product with that claim. Right. Um, but also other claims, non-GMO, organic, um, you know, factor in relatively high as well, right? So 44% and 43% respectively for those claims. And uh, like I said before, we also do oil type uh, tracking, right? So essentially, you know, what is the what is the ingredient declaration, you know, label say in terms of the oil type used, or we even see, right, some front of pack labeling for some, some snack foods, right? Where they're looking to differentiate with these oils. And there's definitely some uh, more positive oils that have been mainstays. So olive oil, I think no surprise is your top one. Um, mm-hmm. but then we've got a newcomer avocado oil, right. That, uh, we introduced to our survey and that's, uh, second, we've got fish oil, uh, next, which is, you know, probably strong omega-3 effect. And then, um, in that top five, there's also sunflower oil. So that's actually moved up, uh, since recent years, uh, to be more of a, of a positive perception amongst consumers. 
The company predicts that four key trends will impact the snacking space uh, this year. Uh, can you shed more light on these four key trends? Yeah, sure, Joe. And, and actually, we've been working on a white paper, too, that we're going to release sometime in the first half of 2021. That hopefully will take this in uh, somewhat detail and, and show some more of these as well. Um, so we've taken you know, our fatitudes work and then also combined it with some broader um, house of cargo marketing research as well uh, on consumer behaviors. And so we're calling this trend tracker. And these four we're pulling out because we do think they're relevant for the snack space. So I'll go through them quickly. Uh, the first one is seeking goodness. Mm -hmm. And this is really about making healthful choices, right? So we just believe consumers continue to raise the bar in terms of their expectation on their ability to make healthful choices uh, when it comes to snacking. The next one is food with a purpose. So, or, you know, in cargo, we're, we're an ingredient manufacturer. We sometimes call those ingredients with a story. Um, this is really about connecting, you know, brands and uh, the ingredients that they use, right, to, to purpose uh, uh, for a consumer so they know and understand where their food comes from. Uh, boosted convenience is the third. This is really just the baseline expectation, right, that consumers today want food that they view as easy, uh, it's fast, it's portable, right? So maybe not so much in 2020, but hopefully in 2021, this trend really uh, re reinserts itself. And then last but not least, we've got plant popularity. So really this is our recognition that you know the plant-based phenomenon, right, also is, is coming into the snack category. And there's a lot of you know, inherent advantages into the way these products are developed today, but we're seeing, you know, new positioning um, and, and really uh, can unlock, I think, a pretty broad consumer appeal, right, with its uh, potential link to both health and wellness trends and uh, sustainability uh, trends as well. Can you drill down a bit more into each of these trends for us? Sure, yeah, I've got a fun fact on a few of these I can share. Mm -hmm. So, Seeking goodness, right? I talked about it being healthful choices. Um, you know, what's what's really consistent on the consumer survey we work we do on ingredients is that in terms of consumer behavior, avoidance is stronger, right, than seeking behavior. And we see that um, showing up for fats and oils. So six in 10 of the consumers we survey say they actually do check ingredient lists to avoid certain ingredients, right? So we feel like that's a very powerful um, positioning to, to look into when you think about product development. And so, you know, what, what do consumers actually look to avoid? Uh, uh, the top avoidance um, on our list are saturates mm -hmm. and then also trans fats. So very nutrition focused there. Um, but then there's also, right, when it comes to oil type, you can uh, introduce some seeking behavior. And so we've got positive consumer perception on a few oils. And, you know, we see this really, uh, uh, correlated to health perception, right? So a positive likelihood of purchase probably indicates, right, that there's a generally a perceived positive healthfulness of an oil type. And so these oils that we uh, would say are the most healthful in our survey um, in terms of perception are, you know, olive oil, fish oil, uh, avocado oil. Uh, I think we mentioned before, but coconut oil makes the list for us, right? right. So controversial oil, flaxseed oil, um, and then also sunflower oil. Right. So, uh, again, uh, sunflower oil continues to, you know, have a, a halo of a health perception and so forth and, and rounds out our top oil list. Uh, food with a purpose. Right. So we talked about that, the, the stat that sticks out to me is, uh, you know, Nova came out and said that they've got 56 percent of global consumers say that a brand story can influence their purchase decision. So it's a pretty, pretty wide swath of the market. Right. Does care about where their food comes from. And so we, you know, at Cargill have, you know, put together packages, whether it's our, you know, clear value suite of oils, right, where it really talks about the origin or also 
the way that we've marketed our non-GMO and organic portfolio um, with transparency and so forth to actually take advantage of this. And and also, um, we've seen sustainability uh, increases uh, in terms of interest in our most recent Fatitude survey. Um, so even just year on year, in, in all age groups, there was uh, some real uh, you know increase in sustainability interest in terms of willingness to purchase. So we found that to be a a trend that, you know, even in the midst of 2020 was definitely reassuring that that's going to continue. Um, right. On convenience, you know, I'll be I'll be quick here because it's really, you know, fast on the go snacks. I think we all get it. Um, and just the bottom line is, uh, like I said, 2020 introduced some disruption here, right, into, into what convenience trends were. But if you look more long run and something we could project out to the future, we think is, you know, brands that have or products that launch with an on the go claim, it's a 9% CAGR from 2015 to 29, according to the Innova data we looked at. I mean, that's that's a really strong trend for this space, and we think that continues. And then plant-based, right? So plant popularity is a is a trend that we're calling this. Um, and like I said, there's multiple macro trends, right? That really support this overall, you know, plant-based movement. Talk a little bit about sustainability, but there's also health perception. So health perception, um, you know, we think is important, and we think tied to that, right, is some. Um, aspects around, you know, also having label-friendly ingredient lists and actually, you know, clean eating and so forth. And, and, and a lot of consumers, so uh, we, like I said, we said 44% of consumers, right, seek out non-GMO. Uh, according to the IFIC survey, um, so the International Food Information Council, right, that a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with, um, you know, 40% of consumers view products with non-GMO ingredients as actually being healthier than, you know, identical products made with GMO ingredients. So we just think the bar is going to get continue to be raised on, um, you know, what a plant-based positioning means. And so you know, we're ready to go with that, you know, from a cargo perspective, because we've invested a lot in having a full suite of fats and oils. So we've got organic, um, highly like sunflower oil, and we also have, you know, uh, quite a few options of, of non-GMO oils that, that products can, or product developers can use. Talking about palm oil, um, Cargill is committed to using 100% sustainably sourced palm oil. Um, can you tell us more about the journey towards this goal? Is it a global goal or is it just for the U.S. at this stage? Yeah, this is a global goal mm-hmm. and uh, it's one we're making you know, really trying to make significant progress towards achieving, right? So this is a absolute critical priority for our business in fats and oils and uh, you know, we're still working against a 2020 uh, roadmap, which really is based around three pillars, uh, transparency, engagement, uh, verification. And uh, obviously, we're going to evolve into a new uh, 2025 roadmap that uh, we'll be releasing more information on soon. And there's a lot, lot more public transparent information right about our palm supply chains on our website that I direct you to. Um, and I also believe a previous podcast, right, you talked more about this with my colleague, Ty Ullman, too. So right. um, we're trying to yeah, we're trying to, you know, continue to drive the industry uh, forward here. And, you know, one exciting thing I can mention in terms of our, in terms of that progress, uh, very tangibly for the North America region, is the fact that we can now offer in North America a physically certified sustainable uh, palm supply chain, right? Wow. So okay. it actually, you know, adheres to the RSPO segregated standards. And, uh, you know, we believe this can really unlock, um, you know, some potential messaging for for customers and so forth in terms of this region where they talk about palm in a different way so we're very excited about it um we think it really you know have, having that physical uh segregation uh be certified enables the transparency right that that our customers are demanding and consumers are and so uh a lot of advantages to to trying to uh bring a palm oil like that to the market you you mentioned the plant-based trend it's uh, more prevalent than ever before where do you see this heading 
Yeah, I mean, personally, and you know, as part of the millennial cohort, it's just only growing, right, and becoming more mainstream. I I really feel like it's been a revolution, and you know, in, in packaged foods, and I I've worked in other parts of our businesses as well at Cargill, right, including some uh, time with plant protein, and um, you know, the the statistics there are just incredible. So, you know, we see uh, some of our surveys there from the protein side with almost half of consumers said they felt better about, you know, eating plant-based proteins. And, you know, we've showed up to that, right, as Cargill and tried to be ahead of that trend by some of our investments in protein, including, you know, pea protein, right, in this region, um, and our investments in Purus. Um, and I think, you know, when it comes to snack development, um, it's not like plant-based is new, right? But I think there's mm-hmm. different considerations that come into play to try to capitalize on the trend. And so, you know, that's really my pitch, right, to working with Cargill too, is just our broad portfolio of plant-based products. You know, it goes right. beyond just fats and oils, right? Which I think you can take for granted as just being plant-based, but it's more about how do they interact with, you know, the protein or the fiber that could be in the matrix. And so we've got texturizers, we've got sweeteners, right? We've got this full package of, of products that uh, we can play with and, you know, uh, we can put through our labs in terms of uh, prototyping and development to, to try to make plant-based products, right, that we haven't dreamed about maybe 10 years ago is the hope. And I think we'll continue to see, you know, some real uh, innovations in snacking as well. Uh, Sadly, it seems that uh, COVID is going to continue impacting us this year. Uh, What implications do you see this having on the trends in the coming year? And how is Cargill gearing up to overcome the pandemic's extensive challenges? (laughs) Yeah, I'll start with a bit of bright spot, right? I mean, the snacks category as a whole has been pretty resilient during COVID, right? right? So, uh, you know, the consumption data and, and sales data that we've seen, right? Snacks as a whole uh, have remained relatively strong. Although, I mean, obviously consumption patterns have changed quite a bit. So I think there's some room for optimism, honestly. I mean, in the, the sense of this is consumers, hey, they might not be on the go eating, right? Mm-hmm. But even if they're at home, snacking remains this strong. I think it just really speaks to how this is just a a trend of eating between meal windows, right? And making healthful choices during that time is really a, you know, something consumers are going to expect to continue. Um, and then also when we look a little bit deeper into the, the sales data, like I mentioned, because we've been really focused on trying to see, you know, how do we actually emerge out of this and, you know, what are the, what sticks, what doesn't and so forth, right? Um, we just have not seen premium products, um, you know, decrease, if anything, we've seen uh, them actually grow uh, slightly share, right? So we think they're outperforming. Um, so specifically talking about organic and uh, non-GMO natural, we've seen these claims uh, do very well in this environment. Um, so I think it just really speaks to, hey, you know, even where we have uh, real economic concerns, right? Of many households and some real challenges, um, people still want to make helpful choices with the products that they buy. And so that's also been, you know, reassuring, I think, for the snacks category. Um, and, you know, 2020, yeah, it was a really interesting year, right? For for our customers, mm. uh, for for ingredient suppliers like Cargill, um, we especially early, uh, right? Think about uh, spring time frame. We had some serious disruptions of supply chains potential and so forth. Um, I'm just really proud of how you know we showed up during that and and how our customers also uh, you know moved during that time frame. So you know we were able to keep our supply chains intact for the most part and uh, you know tried to help our customers as much as we could and. Uh, I think one of the places where we we did see a step back, um, you know, it's just really some product development ambitions, right, and, and launches and so forth. And so, um, you know, really my my hope is we look into 2021 with some optimism is a lot of that can get back to normal, right? So, 
we can go and, and continue on some innovation projects and we can look at sort of what the future uh, you know, looks like. And we've got uh, some new investments coming online in 2021 at Cargill in terms of our R&D capabilities with the new pilot plant uh, coming mm-hmm. into the Minneapolis area, you know, okay. which rounds out. We've got multiple R&D facilities. This is just yet another one that, you know, augments essentially how we can get a product, you know, from idea to market as fast as possible uh, as, as part of the concept here. So, you know, this year, I, I really want to <laughs> go there, you know, hopefully in person, right? When, when uh, if I have some optimism towards later in the year and uh, work with some customers, right? And, and try to leverage those, uh, those facilities and in our teams.